You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Charlie Walters, the big shooter. I got one thing to say to the crew of The Ride with Reiki. Let's kick the ass. Smart takes the shot. And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Keith Smart with 17 points in the second half has moved the Hoosiers to within one second of a national championship. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. Ladies and gentlemen, the start of the final four uh, week here on the ride with Ricey. And and we're always looking for uh, unique ways to tie things in, right? Yes. So we're going with my four favorite final fours that I covered. And number one uh, on the final four, not necessarily number one in order of my favorites, was Keith Smart hitting the shot to beat Syracuse in 1987, even though I certainly was hoping that Syracuse beat Bobby Knight back then. (laughs) It was a fantastic game. And you know what made that whole thing so amazing, gentlemen? What's that? Hoosiers opened in November of 1986. Wow. So it was the winter when Hoosiers had caused this phenomenon, right? I mean, it would be it made it was the most romantic movie ever made about basketball, would we not For all sure, agree? For sure, 100%. I mean, yep. Small town Indiana. And then, you know, Jimmy Chitwood hits the winner for Indiana uh, for uh, the the Hickory Hoosiers. Hickory, yep. And then same same situation months later the Indiana Hoosiers uh, win on not not one of his great teams either. That was a that was a good team, not one of his great teams. Uh, Key Smart hits the shot to beat Syracuse. Same thing. And they had Steve Alford on the team. Oh, it was yeah. a senior year yeah, with the Hoosiers right. and yeah. everything. Yeah, the so only was... thing that would have been more real, more tied Is in if Alford was hit the shot. If the white kid from Indiana had <laughs> hit the shot. But uh, I remember writing that on deadline that night. Where were we? I can't even remember. Where the hell were we? Where? Oh, New Orleans, Superdome. Okay. And uh, I was writing away, and I couldn't remember the guy. And this was not internet days, you know. I couldn't remember the guy who made, hit the shot for the Hickory Hoosiers. I couldn't remember his name. Oh, how could you forget Jimmy Chitwood? I Chitwood's. called Such's house. 
I called Such's house and said, hey, ask Andy what the name of that kid sure, was. Sure, because he'd know. And he said, Jimmy Chitwood. And I said, go. okay. So then I uh, hacked it away. But that was a, uh, a great Final Four. And, uh, Help me here, Patrick, really quick. 72, seven, four seconds to go. Key Smart hit the shot. Now, you said that was at the Superdome. Was that the first one, Final Four, to be no, played at a no, big? No, 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 North Carolina. And, uh, that was at the, the Kingdome, wasn't it? The, the uh, North, the next year. But uh, when Freddie Brown, when Dean Smith won his first national championship, that was in the Superdome. Oh, it was. When, okay. Uh, when the Georgetown kid, Freddie Brown, threw the ball to, uh, threw it to Jordan, right? Or James, James Worthy. Worthy. Threw yeah. it to James but Worthy. But Michael had hit the that shot to, yeah. okay. to put him ahead. Yeah, and, yeah. And then, but Georgetown had the last possession to pull off a, a key smart, and they threw it to, that was in New Orleans. Uh, that was the first one, and then the Kingdome was right after that. That's when Georgetown humiliated Kentucky uh, in the first round, right? Or was that in the finals? Georgetown won it the next year, 83, okay. out in Seattle, right? Okay. Okay. Eighty three. And okay. And uh or was eighty three uh Houston eighty three was North Carolina State, wasn't North it? North Carolina State. Oh then yeah, 84. Jimmy V. Two years later, eighty four. And Seattle was played in the big place. Yeah. So eighty three was still in a the pit in Albuquerque. That's right. It was still uh, in a basketball arena. They were still trying to decide whether they liked these domes or not, but after they drew 60,000, they thought... They the NCAA them. thought, oh, maybe we Even should though, take this to I, I remember being there in 82, going up at, to the upper deck just to look at it. Because it was the phenomenal idea of of a basketball, of people buying tickets to sit up there to watch mm-hmm. a basketball game was, was preposterous back then. But, uh, yeah, 1987, Key Smart hits a shot. That's also where I changed my opinion on Bayheim completely. Uh, that year, because uh, Bayheim had this reputation as this surly SOB and all the Syracuse guy, and on the Sunday, you you play the uh, you know the semifinals, and then on Sunday you get access to the two final teams if you're a media guy, and you get 45 minutes with uh, a you know a podium full of players and a coach, and then then they do a break off, so you get an hour and a half of access with each team. And after they broke off into smaller groups, Bayheim stayed up there and told us golf stories and great, great yarns about old coaches and, <laughs> and uh, you know, being the golf coach at Syracuse and stuff like that. And I decided, I like this guy. He's a storyteller. <laughs> and he's still going. 87. Oh, yeah. 87. 1987. Yeah. He wasn't that young then. What is he? He got to be 75, doesn't he? Oh, God. He's he? probably least, something right? like that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. at least early, or at least early 70s. That was a hell of a basketball game, though. Wow. What Smart was, made a great play. Somebody had to make a play at the end, and Indiana made a great play, and that's why they won the game, Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim is 73 years old. Really? So what was interesting, too, about Keith Smart's shot is, because we know Beheim forever at Syracuse has always played that 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 zone, that 2-3 yeah. zone. But in that particular play, Syracuse was in man-to-man. Yeah, beat him was, down the field, the court too, right? Yeah. Smart scored 10 of Indiana's last 13 points and tied the game at 63, 68, and 70 each time uh, Syracuse had taken a lead. So, mm. uh, anyway, this is the final four of the ride with Ricey. And, uh, by golly, we're going to celebrate the final four. Why not? What? what you know what? Have? We don't have any rules this week. We don't week. have any rules this week. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I do have, uh, we're going to have Manny Hills for Deep Thoughts coming up momentarily. I know you were going to miss those because you haven't had enough of Manny on the radio lately. You only had, uh, how many hours last week, sir? You had uh, the four. You had the four on Wednesday. 
I, had, I did two on Tuesday, <laughs> four with Judd on Wednesday, and then two on Thursday and Friday. Uh, and then two today. And then two today, yeah. So, and then four tomorrow. So, uh, Manny's four deep thoughts are, he's got to save a few four deep thoughts for tomorrow. And here's my be deep, all those on Judd. Here's my four, here's my deep thought. After, you, you think we had some wasted angst on the Vikings roster cuts? <laughs> I mean, oh man, how are they going to keep everybody? Well, they, they convinced Terrence Newman to become a coach and they cut Brian Robinson and, Basically, they didn't lose anybody, right? No, well, they didn't lose anybody unless you want to get upset about Conrad Beebe, who's on the practice squad. But they were <laughs> there was some angst uh, when they cut loose the punter Quigley on Twitter. I noticed because when they claimed Why? the kid from Pittsburgh, well, he was so phenomenal last year that there was oh, a lot of okay. people that were very yeah, very we, upset about well, that. Yeah, I mean that's he's uh, a punter, listen, ladies and gentlemen. Do you really <laughs> think this team? the way they're currently constructed, is going to have to punt? No. I don't. <laughs> no. I'm surprised maybe, even right. kept one. Because those three same, a week. Three those, a month. Three be, a month. Because the, the thing of it is, all those people that are mad about Quigley being cut, you're the same people that think Kirk Cousins is going to throw 65 That's touchdown right. passes yeah, this year care. and throw for 7,000 yards. I think, uh, I so think, I think we they're not going to need to punt. I think, you know, we, we got to be weak someplace, don't we? The special teams, I didn't realize this. According to Pro Football Focus, they were number one last year. Well, what aren't we number one? Come on, let's stuff. go. Well, that's this team See? is this team is absolutely loaded. If if they're three and five in midseason, Zim, see ya. Yep, you're, you're out. out. You're out, Zim. You're gone. Three. I'm gonna I'm gonna have full time newspaper now. I can start beating on him oh, if they man. lose a couple early. Right. I'm showing up every day. <laughs> that's right. Well, I wouldn't go that far. All right, we'll be back. We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts on the Ride with Royce. Now, you're on for two hours today, but these are completely unique thoughts, ones that weren't expressed today with Judd, right, sir? Uh, there's a, there's, there's a, there's yeah, a few yeah, yeah, collaborative, yeah, yeah. Just you know. go with it, okay? You're supposed to lie, <laughs> yeah, Manny. Come yeah, on. That's right. You know, we're, we're nobody here on the Ride with Royce. Very unique thoughts. Truth. Yes, yes, okay. Here we go, number one. Number one. Second down and four. Kaepernick keeps it. Fooled everybody. Colin Kaepernick. What a game. Touchdown. The reason why I love this so much <laughs> is because this is, this is, so Nike, they make the NFL's jerseys. They're yes, like their official, right. yeah. Multi-billion dollar uh, deal. Yes. What I love what I love about this is this is Nike's way of looking at the NFL and saying, we don't need you. Yeah. Or yes, and and don't make a big issue out of, you know, don't 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 fall for the Jerry Jones lingo on this thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And 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 I've I have long said for the last couple of years now since this whole thing started that Colin Kaepernick Clearly, from what we've learned now, with that he has been on Nike's payroll for mm-hmm. however yeah, long, right? Um, he he doesn't need football, and I've 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 said this for like a year and a half. He doesn't need football. Why should he? And and should he be on a roster? Yes, he's talented enough to be on an NFL roster. But if I'm him, wh- why do I want to be on an NFL roster right now? And getting my brains beat in 
for a billionaire owner that why 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 is he gonna why why should he be on a roster letting his body get beat up, you know, every season when he could be doing so much more for society without having to get his body beat up playing football? Well, I think he'll probably because he loves to play football, sure. and uh, you know, if I think if he got a chance to go somewhere and actually get to play, he'd probably be doing it. The oh, best, I'm sure he would. The best tweet I saw about this entire, uh, you know, obviously controversial issue over the weekend was someone retweeting the Buffalo Bills announcing Nathan Peterman is starting at yes. quarterback in Week One. <laughs> no, Enough this, said. You well, know. This, this guy's yeah, I saw that one. This guy said. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but why wouldn't you just take this? Oh tweet? yeah, that's yeah, what Why wouldn't you just yes. take this tweet to the, the Nathan Peterman starting to the as your evidence? Right. The guy who threw uh, five interceptions in a half. In a last half. Uh, yeah, Nike stock was down three percent today. It actually uh, it rallied a little. It ended up down two point seven. This is Nike's thirtieth anniversary season. This is. He's not standing alone as the face of Nike. Serena's got a new contract with mm-hmm. him and a bunch of other people, too. But, of course, this is their way of, uh, uh, somebody pointed out, uh, Nike's not trying to sell sneakers to people of the last 30 years. They're trying to sell them for people of the, next, the, 30 of the next 30 years. And that's, uh, so, it's you know, the, it, the immediate uh, uh, fall uh, might be, there might be a little hit they take right now, and Trump will. The best thing that they could happen to them is if Trump comes out and rips the hell out. Was of somebody that said, <laughs> which he will, right? Well, of somebody course. had said he hasn't tweeted about it yet because he doesn't know how to spell Kaepernick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, somebody said the last twenty-four hours, two point seven million social media wow. uh, mentions for Nike too on this thing. So they're no dummies at they're Nike. They, there's there's some smart people over there. All right, go nope. get them. Oh, by the way, somebody. Uh, Texted me to uh, one of my responses when I said, you know, they should change the swoosh to a pair of cojones, you know, yeah. you know, and uh, he said, yours, this is against everything your Marine son stands for. This guy doesn't know my Marine son. He doesn't know me. Right. He doesn't have any idea how my kid feels about this. He doesn't have any idea about my relationship with my kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but... That's, but he's an expert he's on a, He's an expert on this. Unbelievable. All right, number two. Oh, Buxton swings and drives one to left field. That is going to be gone. It sneaks over the wall into the second row of bleachers. Three-run home run for Buxton. And just like that, it goes from one to nothing to four to nothing. So... Byron Buxton, as we all know, is not being called up for the month of September. And me and Judd talked about this this morning, and I just I don't I don't understand it. And and I know that they have they've spoken publicly about it, and they've talked about how this could change the relationship with him and the organization and all of that. But but what what are you outside of getting an extra year to hold off free agency? What are what are you gaining here? I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. And at, and I told this to Judd this morning. You forget about service time for right now. You need to fix this kid. Yeah, you got to find out. You got to find, find out if out he's going to be a part. You got to find out if he got fixed a little the last couple of weeks when he hit 350 in Rochester. Maybe it's the same old same old. Yeah, but you got to find out. And and I don't I I, I just I don't understand this. One, let me say this: the the one comparison people have been making is Dozier. Dozier had played 
basically three and a half months, right, at shortstop mm-hmm. and had played poorly. And then when he went down to Rochester, he supposedly uh, pouted, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't call him up. Uh, these two situations are not anywhere near each other. Not even Dozier close. was still a suspect. Bruxton was the American League's basically defensive player of the year last year. The platinum gold, mm-hmm. the cla- platinum glove winner. Uh, and by the way, not just in the American League, that's for MLB, yeah. is it not? Uh, I'm not sure. It was okay. the league or the, what, whatever it was. And Buxton was also a high draft choice. Yeah, and uh, I talked to, uh, we're going to talk to manager Kelly today, but uh, Kelly last night, he said, and he'll say it today, that, you know, if Sanoa and Buxton can't do it, this is a setback of... Monumental proportion. You're looking at 2021, yeah. 2022 do you before think, you even see your future. And do you think that that's why they made the series of moves that they did to just in case? In, in other words, is that why they sold off as much as they did before the deadline? Because they're fearful that these two guys can't play. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not sure what their logic was. I think they're just. I think they think they're geniuses. Okay. You know, we'll see. But Judd made a great point this morning. He was because he talked right. about. Wait a minute now. <laughs> hold sure? on, hold on. You can't be laying that on us. That's a piping hot <laughs> Well, but he he just said because they because they said well, you know we we have an issue with playing time too. Is how we're gonna right. You got That's, Robbie Grossman right. and I mean, come on. And Jake Cave and yeah, well, what's, the, what's Josh Field or whatever? Yeah, the hell that was uh, Johnny Field. Johnny Field, like that was on. the move they made yesterday. But 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 just say instead of having Levine go out there and just babble nonsense, Eastern liberal college nonsense, uh, just say we've made this decision and there's really not much to expand on. We just we 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 just want him to go home and work on his strength this winter or something. But don't give us the BS about playing time and stuff like and, that. And my question for them would be, okay, you did this. Now do you have a plan? What mm. what 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 are you going to do? Well from here one on thing up? they gotta do is get him on the phone because he hasn't he has not returned any of their plain messages to talk to him as of yet. Uh, maybe today, but not not before today. Uh, I, I was told that he's coming back to pick up some stuff here. He's got, like, in the apartment and stuff. No plans to visit the yard. So, That's anyway, we'll see. All right, number three. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a Chicago Bear. Uh, you got a young talent. Uh, and um, on the defensive side of the ball, you definitely have some, some dogs. And um, I'm looking forward to getting out there with them dogs. Real right. Matt. In his uh, introductory press conference with the Chicago Bears, and don't look now, boys. That the Bears, defense, yep. the, that the Bears yep. are going to be. I think they're going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to win the division, but they're going to be. They're going to cause some fits for the two teams at the top. I think. So you like the trade for them, huh? I like the trade for them. I think they gave up a little bit. They gave up quite a bit with the two well, first round the Jared picks. Allen trade, yeah, basically. and they're getting a second round yeah. pick back too. Did Jake Gruden long have everybody in that locker room oh. hate him though? Huh? That didn't take long. <laughs> no, you know yeah. when you've been away a long time, you come rolling back in. How often has that worked? Not Joe Gibbs didn't work for Joe Gibbs, no, it and didn't. that guy You're was right. a better coach than John Gruden ever thought of being. Yeah, so, I don't yeah. know, but uh, I think the Bears are going to be pesky, and they're going to give people some fits and. That defense is going to be pretty good. All righty. Well, that's because uh, they're, they're still going to stink, though, and offensively, so that's good. You know. 
<laughs> Number four. Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. Uh, I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to. So quit asking. This guy God, is hateable. I know. And, of course, you know, he apparently called Maria Taylor and apologized to her and all that stuff. But, this, you know... And, and we know why he's like this because yeah. he's got he's got you know well, I've won all these championships and I can talk yeah. to people however the hell I want but he wanted hurt to stick around so he could have a jack backup quarterback so he made it sound like competition but the other kids his quarterback right, right. Tua is the guy yeah. and that's that's I mean what he he created this. Yeah, by coming out and he, saying, "Well, I like both guys," and stop trying to make it sound like I don't like both yeah, guys. But what question did he want her to ask? Right, when you're Alabama's, the number one team in yes, the country, and the, and the only story surrounding you is who's going to play quarterback. And you know what? All he had to do was come out right away and say, say "Damn, they look good." Either that, or just come out and say, "Two is the two is the guy." Well, those he's going to start, and Jalen's going to be the backup, and that's and that's that. Those interviews are limited, I believe, to two or three questions, depending upon the situation of the game. Got to get to it, and all he needs to do is just give a short, curt answer, and it's over with. And it's just not say like Tua played now. well, and that's a, that's all there is to it. I'd like to be getting the uh, communications that this poor woman is getting from Alabama now to the uh, sideline reporter. I bet oh, she's Maria being called Taylor. every filthy name. Who's very right good now. at what she does, yes. by the way. She's very good. Well, they're, uh, I'm sure the jackass. Who do you think the jackasses from Alabama are supporting on this? You think they turn it on Nick or yeah. her? Right. And she didn't do anything. All right, Manny Hills, four deep thoughts, and he'll have four hours of deep thoughts tomorrow? Yes, I will. Four hours of deep thoughts all unique. Manny Hill's still on the air. <laughs> <laughs>with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. Twins in Houston again tonight to play the Astros. Twins, All right. Uh, I'm yeah. ready for this lineup that doesn't All have right. room for Byron Buxton in it. Let's go. <laughs> Wait till you see the meat of this lineup. Okay. okay? Uh, the Twins will start Trevor May tonight. Uh, one of the, you know, where you start the reliever deals and he pitches in the opener. Yeah, okay. The opener. Although he yes. could go two, three innings because mm-hmm. he's a strong dude. Justin Verlander will start for the Astros. <laughs> go get him, boys. To face Justin Verlander, okay. we have... Uh, leading off, Joe Maurer at first base. Right, Logan right. Forsythe at second, hitting okay. second. Right. Jorge Polanco at short, hitting sure. third. Okay. Mm-hmm. Robbie Grossman hits cleanup in okay. left field. Sure. Right. <laughs> Jake Cave hits fifth in okay. center field. Fifth. fifth. Way to go, Jake. Uh, Miguel Sano hits sixth. He's DHing this evening. Uh-huh. Max Kepler hits seventh in right field. Ara Adrianza at third base hits eighth. And Chris Jimenez catches and hits ninth. Mm, that's another thing they're doing. Why not catch Garber every day? Huh? <laughs> I don't you know. know. We'll find out if he can catch uh-huh. God almighty. <laughs> For, former Twins news. Uh, the, uh, the He's been in uh, former Twins news several times this year. The Pirates uh, made some call-ups today, and to make room, they designated Buddy Boshears. For oh! Hey, Wait, now we can get him. Let's go. Don't bet against it. I can see him as an opener. Come on. We need another arm. An opener. I can see him opening up. Meanwhile, the Nationals announced, uh, announced they outrighted Tommy Malone. Oh. So, there's another one for well, you. There you go. Two lefties. We, we got a tall Tommy Malone now, so it's uh, that's fine. We got a taller one. Gonsalvi, same stuff. Same stuff. Change, guns- change up and three, two counts, baby. Since- should Gonsalves be considered an opener since he only goes about three innings yeah, yeah, anyway? It's a tough one. That's a tough decision to make. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
And you know, and that's what a guy can... Now he can say, he pitches two and a third, and he say, oh, well, you were rotten. He said, no, I was no, the, opener. the opener. I'm the opener. I'm the opener. That's right. Yeah. You know what is going to happen, too? This is what the majority of the postseason is going to become, don't you think, this year? What? In MLB? It's going to be, oh, well, we're going to make well, a pitching the, change the in three innings. Good starters won't do it, but yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah, they're going to do it like madmen. Antoine Winfield, named Big Ten Co-Special Teams Player of the Week. He returned to punt 76 yards for DD. He, uh, I, I would think that the uh, coaches for the losing team were not very happy with the tackling on that punt return. Why did he break oh. about seven tackles? Yeah, they, they list five on this one. They say five <laughs> tackles. Five. Yeah, but one of them was three guys at the same time. <laughs> Uh, he also made five tackles on defense. Uh, remember, he missed the last eight games of the season last year because of a hamstring injury. He's good. Vegas Golden Knights defenseman and former Gopher Nate Schmidt missed the first 20 games of the NHL season. Uh, he's been suspended without pay for violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. He can participate in training camp but cannot dress or play in preseason games. Uh, both the Golden Knights and Schmidt issued statements objecting to the NHL's ruling on the matter. For the third year in a row, the Gophers volleyball team is up to number one. The Gophers took over the top spot in the American Volleyball Coaches Association poll released this morning. They got 35 first place votes. The Gophers won the Diet Coke Classic at home over the weekend, sweeping North Dakota State, Georgia Southern. She gets Arkansas. tough now, though. They're going to California, and they have to play at mighty Stanford. So uh, that'll be tough. We're always a power. All right, Johnny, that's all we need out of you. Okie doke. Thanks. Kevin Seifert from ESPN, uh, how are you doing, sir? Very good. How are you, Patrick? I am good. Uh, Kevin, uh, I would have liked to have been in the commissioner's office when they uh, found out that uh, when Nike informed them that Kaepernick was going to be uh, one of the faces of their 30th anniversary uh, ad campaign. Yes, I uh, think that if the NFL or the NFL owners thought that they would be able to negotiate or find a way to get to move beyond uh, Colin Kaepernick's career in relation to the NFL, they realized yesterday that that is not going to happen. No, it's an uh, interesting uh, situation. And uh, I think uh, they're probably, uh, Nike's inviting the uh, President of the United States to comment on this. I, would, I saw that they, uh, uh, several hours ago, they'd had $2.7 million, uh, mil, not dollar, million hits on various social media outlets since they did this. Yeah, and I believe I saw that he did comment on it, that he said oh, uh, really? he, okay. he noted that Nike is a tenant at Trump Tower, okay. um, uh, which I think they're moving or have moved, but mm-hmm. at one point we're a tenant there and that they, he thought it was not a good idea for Nike to, to sign Colin Kaepernick, so I guess okay. no surprise in either event. But, but uh, he, he didn't go nuts about it yet then, uh, apparently. Not yet, but okay. it doesn't look like he's, he seems like he has a, he's had a busy day of things <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to go through today. Yeah, yeah, he's had a few things. It is... Uh, and, you know, this is obviously uh, them reading the room, right, and saying that, uh, you know, the young people uh, who are uh, buying shoes uh, probably uh, approve of this guy. Yes, yes, there are. Uh, I mean, it, it's obviously been been very polarizing, but for something to be polarizing, that means there has to be some staunch supporters on both sides, uh, detractors and supporters. And so as much as we've heard uh, from people who think that kneeling during the anthem is wrong, uh, there are just as many, if not more, people who feel that uh, it's feel emboldened and uh, and excited that 
that attention has been brought to some issues that uh, that had not previously, at least not to this level. And there's, if you can say nothing else about these uh, the protests that have occurred in the NFL, that has brought, even though it's been warped a little bit, it's still brought more attention to the issue, the core issues that the players wanted to bring. Uh, than otherwise would have. And the NFL can't say a whole lot since they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars from Nike, right? Right. And, you know, and they're also, the NFL is also in this spot where, don't forget, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed have accused them of collusion and they're going through a formal arbitration process and there's been a lot of discovery and the NFL tried to get the arbitrator to drop uh, the case and he did not, which meant that uh, there's at least enough uh, evidence to keep the process going and so proving collusion is very difficult according to the NFL CBA but they've gotten this far and uh, and certainly the discovery process alone has made a lot of people uncomfortable and so that is all playing into this uh, into this news. Kevin in your years uh, covering the Vikings I'm sure that uh, uh, you spent uh, several weeks in Mankato and other places uh, having Viking people tell you how in the name of uh, of uh, George Hallis are we going to be able to keep all of this talent we have uh, because we're going to lose somebody on waivers and then uh, nobody was lost on waivers and that pretty much happened again here for the uh, Vikings. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, if they had some secret strategy they figured out to uh, to hide people in the preseason so that they no the other teams can't see their true talents or what. But <laughs> but that uh, that certainly was notable. You know, I think they have you know in all seriousness they have one of the more talented rosters in the NFL, and I don't think too many yeah. people would disagree with that. But in terms of the talent of the undrafted free agents and those type of people that they brought in uh, and then largely released uh, the other day. I guess that's uh, that's for everybody. But everybody thinks that their that their players are better than you know the guys that they signed and researched and that they wanted are better than the others. So you don't see you see especially this time of year you see so many teams just keep the the players that they drafted or they signed and, and they they try to keep them in the practice squad and justify those draft picks yeah. and those signing bonuses as much as they can. I think Gil Brandt put out a, a tweet today that. Uh, the top 100 picks in the draft all made the team. Not a single guy got got cut, um, and there was the percentages of people below that were also higher than normal. So clearly, this year, uh, even more than most teams wanted to keep a hold of their guys and uh, and at least give them longer period of time to. to figure out if they're going to be able to help at some point uh robeson uh you know that you're keeping young linemen and uh terrence newman was convinced that it was over and he might as well become a coach uh but uh, getting rid of two veterans uh what what is amazing is a raft of uh defensive backs they kept i mean they're uh, uh with with uh, mike zimmer running the thing you aren't going to lose any defensive backs who might have a chance to play <laughs> No, he, he values them as, I mean, obviously pass rush is usually considered more important than, than DBs, but in Mike Zimmer's defense, he values them almost right up there with, with pass rush. And so you see, that's why you've seen the, the draft picks that they've made and the, and the free agent signings that they've made and, and the roster decisions they've made. The other thing that's kind of, and I don't know how much exactly it related to with the Vikings, but the other thing to keep in mind is that when the kickoff rule changed and they yes. said that you couldn't do wedge blocks anymore, it, it basically meant that there's no reason to have offensive linemen or defensive linemen on the field during the kickoff. So that meant more linebackers and more DBs. And so whether that oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah okay. whether that translated into roster decisions or not, you'd have to ask each individual coach, and they may or may not tell you. But 
the expectation was that it was going to make it at least more difficult when you thought about how how you were going to uh, who you were going to put out in those eleven guys on the kickoff return team and the kickoff coverage team and how you were going to replace the fact that you normally use some of your backup offensive linemen and defensive linemen to do that. Uh, by the way, uh, Cordero Patterson, uh, New England has dumped a bunch of wide receivers uh, one after another here, and Cordero is apparently going to get on the field. Yeah, and you and you just think, I mean, he's not he doesn't fit the type of receiver that the uh, that the Patriots have normally gone after and turned into something much better than what they had been. You know, the, they're usually these smaller flat receivers, the Wes Welkers and the uh, Danny Amendola's and the Julian Edelman's, but. Um, you, you, he just has the kind of unique skill set that you, that given the track record, you have to wonder if they don't have a pretty good plan for how they would like to use him uh, and not use him. You know, that they wouldn't necessarily be asking him to run every route in their system, but that they have something in place that they think might work, maybe against only certain opponents, maybe only in certain situations, but it's it, it, there's just it just feels like one of those situations where you know and I think sometimes the Patriots get too much credit for being you know Midas and that everything yeah. that they touch every player they bring in they have some plan that no one else ever thought of and that they can get more out of every guy and blah blah and all that and sometimes that happens and sometimes that's an exaggeration but you just wonder if they don't see what a lot of other teams uh, or what the Vikings saw and what the the Raiders saw last year it was that. This guy has some unique talents. There's some things that you would hope a receiver could do that he can't. Um, but there's enough unique talents there that that if you came up with the right ideas, maybe he could help you in a in a you know a certain certain situations. The John Gruden back to Oakland honeymoon didn't last long. He's getting killed out there. Wow, they're yeah. mad. The players are mad. The fans are mad. Yes, the players. Yeah, I mean, but he's basically. It was not. It's not a surprise that he went in there and shook things up. You know, and as he even noted, they've had one winning season in the past fourteen. It's not as if he took took over the Patriots and is just trying to keep them going. I mean, they. But the way that he has gone about it and the results of what he has done makes you wonder if if the plan that he's installed is any better than any other plan. They basically become the oldest team in football. He's uh, he signed a bunch of older guys to one year deals. Um, he decided he didn't need or couldn't allocate the salary cap space for the maybe the best defensive player in the NFL, um, if not certainly one of the top three, and didn't necessarily seem to understand the subtleties of the salary cap and how it has evolved over time in explaining why they couldn't keep Khalil Mack, uh, that defensive player. And so a lot of fair criticism being uh, thrown his way, and ultimately he can he can uh, answer it by winning games. But the uh, the everything that that has um, has happened so far has suggested that he's gone into it with a preconceived notion that might be a little bit behind the way the NFL is operating right now. And did he give up a third rounder for the Bryant guy that he just cut? Was that yes. a third a third rounder yeah. for an end that he had for a receiver that he cut? Oof. Yeah, who had a lot of issues and has had some off the field things that resulted in suspensions and was maybe you know reportedly that was going to happen again. Um, and it was in the last year of his contract anyway, so even if things had gone great, they would have given up a third-round pick for a guy who might have walked the year after. Um, and, yeah, and then kind of justified it by saying, well, a lot of picks haven't worked out around here, so what, you know, what's, which is, is exactly like, basically like explaining it with a negative. So a lot of, 
a lot of uh, answers that wouldn't necessarily calm down anybody who was already getting concerned about where they were going. And uh, one last thing, uh, the great Freddie Zamberletti has uh, passed from this veil of tears, and uh, you enjoyed him as much as the rest of us. Yes, I did. He was, um, you know, I, I started covering the team after his sort of prime as, as the team's top uh, athletic trainer, but he was sort of the team historian and maitre d' when I was there, and uh, just had a way of, uh, you know, he's one of those people that when you talk to him, he... Um, he always made you feel like every the only thing he'd rather be doing in the entire world is standing there talking to you right then <laughs> about that particular thing. And it was not just a one-way down memory lane from him. He wanted to know what you thought and what you what you saw, and um, it was just just a very uh, in my in my uh, experience a very good uh, ambassador for the team, and, and certainly a font of history as well. Yep, he was uh, he was something, and uh, was always uh, when the best thing about going to a trip to Mankato was when old Freddie ambled over and uh, started uh, oh, yeah. giving you a hard time. So yeah, all right, hey Kevin, thank you. Thank you, Patrick. And while I have you, real quick, uh, I know uh, given uh, how sappy your personality is, I'll just say it has been an honor, sir. Thank you. Same to you. Goodbye. All right, we'll be back. I call Kevin Siebert. What do I call him? Best beat guy I've ever worked with. Right? Please, we'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick. Still holding them off. He's got about a half a meter lead. And down on the near side, it's Murphy. But Spitz is going to go in. Spitz wins the gold medal in second place. I'm just glad that the race ended exactly, boom, right there. <laughs> you know, not one half a stroke left. I had zero gas left in my tank. That was it. That last stroke was it was 100% right up into that last stroke. I could hardly get out of the water. Spitz not only won gold, he took a second off Wendon's 1968 world record. The following day, Spitz completed his haul of seven gold medals. He broke world records in every single one. On this day in history, September 4th, 1972, Mark Spitz uh, became the first Olympian to win seven gold medals in Olympics. Uh, the great U.S. swimmer uh, won uh, the uh, in the he, he swam the fly leg of the 400 meter relay, and uh, and the team set a world record of three minutes and 48.16 seconds. It was a fantastic celebration, and then of course the next day the terrorists showed up and uh, ruined uh, the entire uh, Munich Olympics in 1972. Years later. Uh, 20 years later, I was going to Barcelona to cover the uh, Olympics, and I was out in L.A. doing some pre-Olympic stuff. I spent three days with Oscar De La Hoya and his family, and then I got a chance to call Mark Spitz, and he met me for, uh, I bought him a Diet Coke out at some little hotel out in Westwood <laughs> and spent a couple hours really? spent a couple hours with him and had a long talk with him about uh, that, and a really nice guy, hell of a guy. Uh, what was but, the basis of the conversation outside of the Olympic stuff? I mean, what, uh, it was basically okay. I was doing a twenty years later gotcha. Spitz, and uh, you know, but he was the kind of guy that BS with you and talk about it. He was uh, eighteen when he first came to the Summer Olympics in '68, twenty-two, and that was pretty much the end of it for a swimmer back in those days. Now these big lugs swim swim till they're forty because they're making so damn much money. But uh, yeah, I got a hunch what our sports uh, the sports day day in history is going to be tomorrow, and it won't be as much fun. That's- 
At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.